Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw, I saw, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. Imagine if you saw a throne near the ceiling right now, this high ceiling right here. You're just looking up and all of a sudden, people have had visions like that. In this very place, there's an angels. But if you were to see all of a sudden a throne appear, and you see somebody high lifted up, it just shows you that he's on another level. And it shows you that we need to bow down to him. He's glorious. In the year that this king, this monarch, this person that the whole nation looked up to, everybody looked up to, for leadership, he's gone. So are we left in a vacuum? This is when Isaiah had the vision, when we're at our lowest point. When we are completely baffled, Lord, where do I turn now? What do I do now? I feel like something's just been robbed from me. I feel void, empty. Lord, this news that I heard, this situation I face myself in, I feel all confused and distressed. When we get a glimpse of God, we know deep inside, He's up to something big. He's up to something good, something great and glorious. He wants to do something even in this time. Isaiah said, that's the very year I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He's seeing it in a vision. It's not the temple in Jerusalem. This is in heaven. He's having a heavenly experience. And then he says this, Above it stood seraphim. They're called these fiery burning creatures. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. Imagine that, six wings, two sets, three times. You see this creature in the air. I don't know how big he was. He was big. In the, the two wings, we understand he's flying, but two is covering his face because he's near the throne. The two, down to the feet, to cover the feet. Isaiah's just seeing this. Never saw it before. Let's go to the next verse. And one cried to another, face covered, two wings flying, two covering the feet. One is holy. Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's reality. God is in control. Let's go to the next verse. And the posts of the door, as in heaven, were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke, which is the glory of God. Verse 5. So I said, he's looking at all of this. Sights and sounds bombarding him. Humanly, he can hardly take it. His response is, woe is me. Virtually screaming out, I am undone. We went through this in the road to life. I am fallen into pieces before God. I just saw something and heard something that I cannot handle 
especially when I see who I am in his presence. Now Isaiah says, because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people, all my people, Lord, we're all unclean. Why? My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. So the people were having big problems. They were actually in rebellion. But Isaiah was not a rebel. But when he got a glimpse of God's glory, he got close to him. And I mentioned about Job the other day. You get closer to God, you really see that you need him more than ever. You really see that I'm not even worthy to call upon his name with lips like these that have been contaminated and polluted and things that have come out of my mouth. Why should God even want me to come near him? Human beings say, the things you told me have made an indelible mark in my heart. It has hurt me deeply. I can never forgive you. I'm going to hold on to this till I go to the grave. Not God. Hallelujah. And mind you, God is the one who's been hurt the most. The one who loves most gets hurt most. Because they keep on giving and keep on getting hurt. By those who don't appreciate. By those who do the opposite. God has went through all of that. He's gone through it. He still goes through it. But that's what makes him so magnificent. He's so full of love. Let's go to the next verse. The, then one seraphim flew to me. He's seeing it. And now the scene is changing to involve Isaiah. In connection with this heavenly creature. Can you imagine seeing this huge creature flying toward you? What you would think all of a sudden. He's there. You're watching it. But then he turns attention to you. He's coming toward you. You don't know why. You know what? When you know that God loves you, when he turns his attention to you, it's because he wants to do something special for you. He wants to fix you. Amen? He wants to fix you for more of his glorious life that he has for you. You don't have to be afraid in the sense of God's going to destroy me. No. We're afraid in the sense of I'm in awe. I'm not missing this. He had in his hand a live coal. We've seen coals burning and glowing with that fire. It's just carrying that. We know what can happen if it touches something. It's going to burn. But when this coal came from heaven's altar, and it came with the tongues taking that live coal, he's coming toward him. Imagine that scene, this glowing, fiery, Coal and that's heavenly. I don't know what's going to happen. It's coming toward him. Verse 7. And he touched my mouth with it. It should have burned him up instantly. You know the kind of burning that happened? It's the holy fire that burned away his sin. Hallelujah. We get close to God. We really realize I still have a long way to go. I've come a long way by the grace of God, but Lord, the closer I get to you, I see that, see, it's not a question of, or a matter of, well, the closer I get, the further he steps back. It's not that. The Lord says, draw near to me, I will draw near to you. That bridge, that gap will be crossed, and it will be met. It will be met. But, it shows us how more desperate we need to be for God, because we really need him. So when that coal touched his lips, 
The good news came. It wasn't fire to judge and to destroy. It was a holy fire that came to purge and make Isaiah fit for heaven. That's what God does for us in our lives. He comes to continually burn away the impurities. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. Isaiah wasn't stealing, robbing, drinking, oppressing, cursing, lying, living for himself. He wasn't doing anything. So, where's the sin come from? It's that closeness to God, not unlike the seraphim. Those creatures have no sin. Why do they have to cover their face? Why do they have to cover their feet? Because you're right next to one who's totally other. When we talk about holy, when we wash our hands from something that is that's contaminated, we take a shower, we feel good, we feel clean. When we spend time in prayer with God, before God, and we have these burdens that we're carrying, and we know nothing's going to solve it until I come and bow before God, get along with God. Amen? And I unload my burdens. And I say, Lord, help me. And many times it's, Lord, the things that are in me that I still see. Lord, certain situations can make that impurity come to the surface. I don't like it. Can you help me, Lord? I just don't want this at all anymore. And this area, that area, that area. You know, it's not you wanting to sin. It's that weakness of the flesh. And it's also the need for us to realize, I need to get even closer to God. I can't be settled. But you know what? I took a bath one day. Like Peter, when the Lord uh, offered to wash him. It was a cleansing that's necessary daily. So one time cleansing by the blood of the Lamb on the cross. But it's a continual cleansing. And so when we get close to God, the closer we get, the more we realize our need for Him to do even a deeper work. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. It's a good thing because God means to make us, you know what, look just like His Son. That fourth man in the fire, fire, fire. The reason the three men were not burned by the fire is because of the fourth man who cannot be burned by the fire. It's God's presence that purges us and makes us fit for His presence. And then He purifies us so that we can also carry that presence. And that's why you have people testify. You know, when you came into my house and you did this job or you spoke to me, I felt uncomfortable. Not because you were rude or you had another agenda that I was suspecting. No, it's just you were good. Everything was fine, but something was disturbing me. Why do people have that feeling? Somebody's carrying the fire of God. It's the presence of God that is convicting. It's the holy fire. Just like Isaiah. I feel the need. I have a problem. I'm not doing anything overtly. Rebelling against God. But he said, you know what? When I saw the creatures, my goodness, if the very angelic creatures, these seraphim, who are awesome, when they spoke the post of the door in heaven shook, imagine that. And they're covering their faces when they're near the throne. They're covering their feet. Where does that leave me? 
See how God bridges the gap? He didn't say, Isaiah, you're way over there and you're no good. I know you're unclean. So you're going to stay there forever. We can talk, but you have to stay far away. The Bible says, now let us draw near with assurance to find grace to help in time of need. God says, I want to live with you. I want to be with you. I want to be with you. So, he sent the creature. God did it. He didn't do it on his own. God's in control. God kept the seraphim who's already in awe. Care about my child Isaiah. Take that cold, the live one. Take it with the tongues carefully. Go and touch his mouth because I'm getting ready to prepare him for a great work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. That's good news. What's better news than that? It's not just God cleanse me so I can feel better. God cleanse me so I can be like you in this world to use my life. Let's go further. Verse 8. Also I've heard, look at that, the, the call, the question, the commission. Nothing's done randomly by God. Always a very definite purpose. Also I heard, so he saw, look at that, the audiovisual. The sensory organs. I mean, Isaiah just wrapped with attention over there. And he's trembling. What does he see first? Boom. Eyes are open. The inner eyes open. I see a throne. Oh my God. I see the Lord. I see the Lord sitting on that throne. This really happened. I see creatures next to the throne. I can see six wings. I can see two are covering the face. It's magnificent creatures. Two covering the feet, two flying, and then one is crying to another, holy, 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 the Lord. Uh, the whole earth is filled with His glory. I see this. And I see this revelation and at the same time this feeling of utter unworthiness. Oh, I'm unclean. Was he unclean? That's the question. He was righteous. How can a righteous man be unclean? It's a joke. It's not that he was doing something wrong. He was getting closer so that the depth of his unworthiness was coming to the surface for him. That's the best place we can ever be. Because that's the time when we will humble ourselves the most. To receive the grace of God. To lift us up again. To make us better than ever. And I also heard the voice of the Lord. Saying whom shall I send? This voice comes to you and to me. God says I'm, I'm doing things. I'm unsettling your world. I'm shaking things up. Because the way you are. I can't do much with you. When I shake everything that can be shaken and the dross falls off, the impediments and the extra baggage, and I begin to sculpt a perfect vessel, then I can pour in everything I've got. And I can trust you. God makes us trustworthy. That's the hardest thing to human beings. We can say, I trust God. Why? Because I know He's good. 
But can you trust me? That's where the faithfulness comes in. Am I faithful to God? When God says, go do this, can he count on me that I will do what he said and come back and say, Lord, I did it. And then he says, go do something else. And I, he can trust me. This messenger, I trust. The apostle Paul said, he has counted me faithful. In other words, God was watching me since the day I got born again. Every step I take, every breath I breathe, is there any deviation? Is there any bit of me in there? Myself, I, Paul, he couldn't find that. He saw Paul. The moment God says to do this, you know what Paul said? I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Every one of us have a heavenly vision that God wants to give us. But if we are filled with that sense of me, myself and I, and we're blocking off every time God wants to speak, we can never receive that. If Paul was open, it was open. Because when he was so full of zeal, saying, I'm a Pharisee, I am a lawyer, I am up and coming, the poster boy, if you will, for the Jewish people, to hunt down every deviation from the orthodox truth. I'm a champion for Yahweh. That's how we felt. But he said, I did it in ignorance. I had no idea. Yahweh is Jesus. Jesus is Yahweh. I was fighting against the very one I was thinking I was defending. But then he had that heavenly encounter. The moment the man had the encounter, the next words were, Lord, after he said, Who are you? Lord, what do you want me to do? See, it wasn't, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I'm afraid. Just get me out of this fix. It's a different kind of question. It's, Lord, I have seen the glory. Now, how do you want my life to live? To be lived. What is your agenda, Lord? Everything is at your disposal. My time, my talents, my money, my friendships, my hobbies. God, everything is on the altar. Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord told him. Because he knew it was a sincere cry. He said, go there. There's somebody waiting for you. And I'm going to show you further. He went. I think three days he was blind. He went there. And Ananias came. Laid hands on him. Scales fell off. Baptized. Filled with all He went on a straight course. On a beautiful life. Just like Isaiah. He said, I've seen the king of glory. Nothing in this world can get my attention again. Oh, I'll enjoy things. Thank God for it. The Old Testament is like a movie. Reality is, God is with me. In real time, real life. You know where I'm going? I have a throne waiting for me. Did you know that? God has a throne for you. That's the truth. It's not just a crown. It's actually a throne. People have seen that. When they had an encounter with God, when they had that moment of truth, when they're about to pass over, I've heard many people say that. They saw a throne, and many times there's a river. They just see it. There's a heavenly vision. And sometimes the angel speaks. I've heard that. And he says, see that throne? It has your name on it. It's like the crown. You're going to end up there. God has prepared it for you. But you have to cross the river. You have to cross the turbulence. You have to cross the challenges. Every assault of hell is going to come against you. 
You have to cross through that. You have to prove yourself worthy. Think, wait a minute. Isaiah just said that basically I'm unworthy. He gives me my worth. There are many places in the scripture where God says, let us walk worthy of the high calling of God. The calling of God in our lives. Let us prove ourselves worthy of his mercies. That's our part. Isaiah heard this. Who can I send, basically? Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? The Trinity. Then I said, Jeremiah said, there are many people who get excited when God calls. And they say, Lord, send me. But they haven't been first. The call is only for those who are purged, who have been sanctified, who have been prepared. Everybody can say, I want in. I want to do this for you, Lord. You know my heart, Lord. God, you know I love you. Lord, I'm ready to do anything for you. But God says, you're really not. You convince yourselves, yourself that you're ready, but I can see you're not ready. And so the work of purging continues. God begins to purge. Once that purging has happened, to the degree that God sees, the old nature is stripped away. Then the commission is officially given. But you know what? Before that, all this breaking has to occur. God has to take out his tool, his hammer, and keep chiseling and chiseling and chiseling away. So nothing is left except a totally surrendered heart. Then I can say, Lord, I'm here. I will go. If you take me to the desert, I will go. Let's bring the lyrics up, please. If you take me to the garden, I will go. If you take me to the palace, I will go. If you take me through the river, our times, I will go. I will go. I will go. Because I've seen the trade-off. No matter what I face, what I have to go through, it can never compare to the glory God has for me. Let's sing these words from our hearts to the Lord. If you take me to the mountain, I will go. If you take me to the valley, I will go. If you take me to the desert, I will go. If you take me to the river, I will go. I will go. I will go. There's a time in my life where I fear death. That's the last thing I wanted to ever hear about, death. It was a fear that life as I know it is going to be over. It was haunting me that, you know, you may be in a hospital room, and the last thing you see are some people around you, maybe through the window, you see the scenery, you think, I have to leave all this. What did I do wrong? Why does it have to stop? No more text messages, no more phone calls. Where am I going? It's only the true believer who has that bedrock, solid grasp of the truth that I'm going to be with my father. Hallelujah. There's no better place to be. 
I'm going to sit on a throne. That's what Jesus said. The overcomers have thrones. Would you rather be anyplace else? Than to sit on a throne that God has prepared for you? With a crown that will never fade away? Having this, you have finished your course faithfully. Now it's time to rest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No more pain. No more sorrow. No more struggle. No more devil. Hallelujah. No more accuser. No more slanderer. No more adversary. No more. But if we don't see that truth, we'll miss all these passing illusions, basically. When you think about it, the final analysis. The very thrill that people get. Oh, I can't climb the mountain. Why did you climb the mountain? Because it was there. Because uh, it gives me this thrill that I conquered something. Why did you make so much money and you spent every ounce of your energy day and night? You lack sleep, your health went, but you had the most money. Because it appealed to me. I felt like, you know what, I have power and people respect me and I can do whatever I want. And pleasure. Why did you spend your time worshipping yourself and people? Because it made me feel like worth something. They're all illusions. But we turn our attention to the one who's worthy. Worthy. And when he says, whom shall I send? Every believer has a knock on the door of their hearts from God. But God says, I want to move in and have intimate fellowship with you because I have something for you. I'm going to bless you, but I want to give you something to use to fulfill my plan for your life. Isaiah, when he said, Lord, send me, there was not a trivial thing or a trite thing. He knew exactly what he was saying. You know what he signed up for? Death. And according to the Jewish history, he died in a horrible way. But it was after a lifetime of being employed by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and having a badge, a crown from his hands and then knowing that this affliction, the Messiah is going to suffer. The apostles are going to suffer. The prophets are going to suffer. Every Christian will suffer. Did you know that? Not in the same way. But the Bible says, everyone that will be godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's not a pleasant thing. We get persecution in various ways. But that's what God allows to test our metal a lot of times. To make sure that we're fit for the glory that's awaiting us. At the same time, to show our loyalty to him. There is this adversary who hates God, hates his creation, hates mankind. And he's given a limited amount of time to wage war with everything he's got. God says, I still win. The people that I've created in my image, I'm fashioning them as they yield themselves to me to be just like me. You can't conquer them. They're going to come through the flood. They're going to come through the fire. They're going to come through every persecution, every wind, every assault. They're going to come to me. So Lord, I've done everything as well. They were not worthy before. You have them, devil. You have them in the palm of your hands. You told them how to lust. After everything that I saw, the greediness, 
You taught them. You had them in bondage. How to lust for everything they felt in their body. They wanted to do. You blinded them. And you showed them money and power and pleasure. And worldly success. The pride of life. You had them. But I ripped them free from your filthy hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they are holy. Fitted for my service. You know what? They have chosen to do their part. They've taken the call of God seriously. I said, Lord, I'm running with you, never looking back. Here am I. Send me. Hallelujah. Can God count on us? Is there anything at all that gives us more of a thrill than to be the presence of the King? Sunday is the Lord's Day. Why? It's the day that the Lord resurrected. As I grew up and went to liberal churches in a negative sense, they didn't really believe it was a show. I thought, why do I need to go? And I thought, you know what? I can do other things with my time. Sunday. It's a relaxing day, a slow day, right? Easy going. Get my mind ready for the work week. These are things that will bring. But then I realized it's the Lord's Day. And I began to hunt as a teenager. Going from city to city, even states, in the tri-state area, looking for a real church where people really fear God, really love God. They know what their lives mean to God, what God means to them. And as I searched, I had this hunger. And I turned on Christian radio day and night I had it. Because I just knew there's something more, something more. And then I realized, even if I don't find it, I'm going to keep looking. And I'm going to dedicate Sunday to do that. That's the way I was taught by my parents. And then you come to the realization, you know what? There is a place where there is victory, where there is holiness and love and miracles and healing and restoration. And it's the same Lord that's doing it. And he's the one that rose from the dead on the first day. What could be more important than giving that day, one out of seven, from the very first of the week to God? So, I could have thought, you know what, I can watch TV. I could exercise Sunday. I could read. I could do a lot of things. My conscience would say, it's not right. There was a tug of war. But that battle was over. When I recognized, Lord, this is your day. I want you. I want to be with you. I had to ask myself, is there anything that would give me a thrill on the Lord's day, especially the Lord's day, more than being the Lord and saying, Lord, I want to have communion and fellowship. That's what it comes down to. I said, no. You say, theoretically, intellectually, I get it. I get it. How can there be anything that can compete with God? But practically and personally, deep within the heart, it'll be a different story. Until we say, Lord, something's drastically wrong with me. You have done everything for me, yet something else. It's first place in my heart. 
of Jesus. And you know what? You go off and you sit in God's presence and you take a ride and you start talking to God and say, Lord, this has got to be settled. If I can't even do this, how am I ever going to serve you? It's like saying, Lord, I, I want to come to you and receive your power and your talents and everything to serve you. I'm all for it. But I can't even come to your house when you invite me to have fellowship. So it turns out to be something like, you know what? Even this I will use God so that I can make the grade rather than have a heart-to-heart love relationship. Before we can go to the desert, to the mountain, to the rivers, to the palace, to the garden, to Gethsemane, wherever it is. Before we can go anywhere do anything for God, that realization that, Lord, I need a deeper work, and then stop the show, everything, and say, Lord, I'm willing to take the time to be in your presence. This is no quick fix. Isaiah had a moment in time where that light of cold touched his lips, but there was a lifetime of preparation also. Because he was righteous. Because he had that track record, God says, come even closer, I have something more. Something very special for you. And that's when that ultimate defining moment happened. With all of us, everything that we've gone through since we became born again, the chipping away, the chiseling, and the burning of the dross, still, how, no matter how blessed those times are, some people, they get into accidents over their life and death, and that's when they wake up. But you know what? Still, for some people, there's another moment waiting. Whether we're fully healthy and everything's going fine, or we're in a predicament, there's a moment of crisis where I've really come to God. It's happened to me. It's going to happen to everyone if it didn't already. I really sit down and say, what am I really about? Do I really mean it when I sing and I pray? Does God really hold my heart completely? Is he the thrill and love of my life? Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, do what I say. You're really my friends. I have fellowship with you if you do what I say. And I begin to check my life, my time, my talents, and my treasures. These three all-absorbing facets of human life. My time, my talents, my treasures. Are they all God's truth? When God says do this, am I able to use any one of those moments that regardless of what I think was going to If you take me to the desert, I will go. If you take me through the river, I will go. If you take me to the mountain, I will go. If you take me through the river, I will go. I will go. I will go. Father, heavenly, thank you. Oh, as they got a glimpse of glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And in Revelation, Lord, you showed these holy creatures similar cry. Some point in the future, Lord, centuries later, they're crying the same thing in your presence. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. Whole earth is filled with the glory. Many, many saints have made it already. They're in your presence now, Lord. 
they actually, with joy unspeakable, with pleasures and treasures we can never imagine, Lord, they're having it right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In your very presence. And Lord, our time will come one day. Father, I pray with all my heart, my life and the life of your people, none of us will have any regrets. Having our past records expunged, completely erased. We start off saying, Lord, from this point onward, you are the thrill of my life. You're my first love. And Lord, everything you say I'll do, I want you, Lord. Your commandment is life. Get to heaven and say, Lord, I have no regrets since you washed me clean. Lord, since the day you spoke to me, since the day you came and you convicted me, Lord, I have laid down all my rights at your feet. You will be done, Lord, not mine. And Lord, it's not a reluctant surrender. It's a glad surrender. It's not a partial surrender. It's a total surrender. It's not a surrender for a moment or moments or days and weeks. It's a forever surrender. Hallelujah. Jesus and Jesus alone. Love of my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Shall we stand? Hallelujah.